Welcome to Blockstars, Ripple's podcast that features leaders in crypto and blockchain to discuss the basics of these technologies, the current landscape, and the real-world problems being solved. I'm your host, Ripple CTO David Schwartz. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably well aware that NFTs have become a hot topic in the last year. We saw a boom in NFT collectibles across many different industries, from avatars and art to sports and music. It seems like everyone wants to get a piece of the non-fungible pie. And while scarcity and exclusivity drove a lot of initial interest, I want to take a closer look at what the future has in store for NFTs and how we might get there. Which communities are driving this change? Is it developers who want to do more with the technology, investors that aren't seeing as high a return on collector's items, blockchain communities generating new ideas? Or are we stuck in a chicken or the egg loop and it doesn't really matter because NFT evolution is inevitable? Whatever the case, we're going to dig into it in this episode. Joining me with his proverbial shovel is John Kraske, Director of Strategic Partnerships at Mark Cuban and Ashton Kutcher Venture-backed NFT Genius, co-founder of NFT Thought Leaders and host of the podcast, NFT Heat. Before we get started, I want to note that this episode was recorded a few weeks ago, and our guest has since moved on from NFT Genius, but is still involved in all things Web3. Now, back to the show. John, welcome to Blockstars. Great to have you here. Thank you, David. Pleasure to be here. So let's just get right into it. How did you get started in the NFT space? Complete luck. I would love to tell you it was skill, but that would be a lie. Good luck, I hope. Good luck. Yeah, I actually started my career in the world of accounting and finance. I worked for KPMG, Price Waterhouse, then I worked for JP Morgan. Ended up going to the University of Southern California to get my MBA in entertainment. Then worked for Disney, worked for a Spanish communications company. Ended up working for a TV producer, Aaron Kaplan, who has, I think at this point, like 10 or 12 shows on the air. And it took this crazy detour where I was a CFO, CEO in the luxury interior design space. I actually worked for Michael Smith, the interior designer for the Obama White House, worked on that project when I was there. Various celebrities, George Clooney, Cindy Crawford, Harrison Ford. Then it was 2019, I realized I was in the space for almost a decade, and I didn't even like luxury interior design. So pandemic hit, I decided it was an opportunity for a full reset. I was like, why did I spend $150,000 on my MBA in entertainment at USC? And I'm not even in that space. So started looking at a lot of different opportunities in traditional web two technology space. So all the usual suspects, Amazon, Microsoft, Google interviewed. Let's see, I probably interviewed a hundred different companies got rejected by 99 of them. And then all of a sudden this opportunity for NFT genius came about, didn't even know what an NFT was, but just really hit it off with the CEO and the COO and a couple half hour interviews. And then I got the job and just decided to really own being in the space and this opportunity to sort of reset my career. So became super active on LinkedIn where I'm now considered a top thought leader. I think I've grown my follower accounts from around 8,000 to 25,000 people in less than a year. Decided to start my own podcast with one of my good friends, Justin Shankaro, who's big in the space. We've just released, I think, our 41st episode. That episode is continuing to pick up steam, and we focus on interviewing the top thought leaders in the space. And then decided to build out this organization, NFT Thought Leaders, where we're really focused on building community in the NFT and Web3 space. So we've held... Um, bunch of different breakfasts around the NFT conferences that are happening around the world. So we did one at NFT NYC way back in uh, November when that happened, then did one in Miami, doing one again here in Miami for Miami NFT week in a few weeks. So um, really focused on building a community. We're going to be hosting a major NFT super conference in October 
in Austin. And we're really going to be focused on female and diversity inclusion because we think that's a really important area that needs to be addressed in the space. So we figured well, we're going to build that community. Let's try and build it out the right way since we're still on the, the ground floor of things. So how did you come to be convinced that NFTs were an interesting thing? Did you convince yourself? Did somebody walk you through it? Was it love at first sight? Did you have to mull it over? I got my MBA in entertainment at USC. So I've always been very focused on helping creators best to monetize their work. So for me, the compelling value proposition was the fact that a lot of the creators out there that are creating great stuff, whether it's a musician or an artist or a stand-up comic, they're creating great content, but they're not able to monetize it unless you know, you're one of those lucky ones that get picked up by a big studio or a big music label. So how do you monetize that work? I really saw NFTs as a way for people that are creating great content to better monetize it. Because for me, for instance, music, I would say 99% of the artists I listen to are not the top 1% of the funnel. They're not the Justin Bieber's or the Justin Timberlake's. They're very unknown independent artists, but I love their work and I spend most of my time listening to them. And it's stupid because they're not being properly compensated. Even if they had millions of downloads, they're still going to make almost no money. So I just thought the NFTs were a way for me to better compensate them because, you know, I would give them a lot more money and I, I would love for them to be receiving more of my money on a daily basis. But just the way the whole content model works right now in entertainment, it's not happening. So, you know, I just know that money is fuel and air. So for these great artists to continue to be able to produce amazing stuff for us to all enjoy, they need a new model to receive that money. That's the way I look at NFTs is really the great equalizer for not only creative artists, but, you know, the applications will go well beyond that to more mundane things like healthcare, education, manufacturing. Now, this is just the tip of the iceberg. But, you know, obviously the initial inflection entry point right now is entertainment, art. It's shocking how close to the top you have to stay to find people who are compensated. You go down just one level from the A-listers, like the household names, and the compensation is just, it's just terrible. Yeah. The pieces of the pie that are cut by other people just eat up everything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So is the first wave of NFTs bringing creators and collectors together? Yes, yes. I think if you saw the, that report that just came out a week or so ago, the final numbers, the $17.7 billion in NFT revenue generated, I think about $13 million of that was collectibles and gaming. So, and, and the gaming is kind of skewed by Axie Infinity, so it's mostly collectibles. I think collectibles are a different space from the sort of creator trying to kind of monetize their creation. I think a lot of the collectibles we've seen are things that sort of would exist anyway, like um, Top Shots or music that already exists. And I think also there's this other market of people who are creating things specifically for the NFT space who have a way to get revenue that otherwise there was just no realistic way that they could monetize their art. I agree. Yeah, that's the funny part. The music labels are starting in the entertainment world. They're, the I think, the first ones that sort of adopt it kind of pushing around trying to figure out their entry point but yeah tv and film there's been a few things announced but nothing super interesting and it's definitely we're years away from mainstream adoption in that industry of nfts i mean there's a lot of i think the biggest gap with that i see is just education still because i was at south by southwest last week and i overheard nft literally every minute from different people's conversations and you literally talk to a hundred different people, you'll get a hundred different answers on what they think an NFT is. So there's still not much uniformity in terms of yep. what an NFT is and what it can do. Yeah. I think a criticism that I've heard of the sort of first wave of NFTs is that they aren't actually useful and they don't actually do anything. You know, they're a collectible is worth something because it's worth something for someone and people love them and enjoy owning them, but they don't actually do anything. Is that a legitimate criticism? Does that matter? 
I, I think it's a legitimate criticism for sure. I do believe, yeah, the utility of, of what an NFT can do, it's still uh, it's very undetermined. So obviously, Board Ape, I guess the utility there is community. And you now they just released ApeCoin. So there's, there's something there that's happening. But the majority of these NFT collections have these promise roadmaps and utility that's never going to happen. And yeah. these founders, you know, it's very hard to even validate who they are or where they came from. Yeah, I think it's a lot of smoke and mirrors right now. And it's a, it's a lot of people definitely in it for cash grab. So I think that'll start to get washed out, though, over the coming months and years here. But hopefully by the end of this year, hopefully. And I think the next wave, at least in my world, I'm, I'm seeing you know a lot of these membership models where you actually get access to certain experiences or things. So I think that's probably kind of that next wave in terms of NFTs. And then the big brands are going to slowly start to decide how, how they want to enter space. but you know, Nike bought Artifact, so they bought a, an NFT native company. I believe Disney is getting close to potentially purchasing Dapper Labs. So um, it seems like the big brands are maybe just going to acquire existing companies and infrastructure, and that's the, how they're going to jump in. So let's talk about the importance of communities in the NFT space. If the major collections of NFTs have communities around them, they have spaces, they have developers... How important is that? Is that what the NFTs are? Are, are Board Ape Yacht Club NFTs their community, or is the community just sort of something else? I think Board Ape is is definitely a, a community. I think it's that's the secret sauce for it. And they were the first ones to sort of figure that out. So I think they they created that wall where people can come in and sort of collaborate and put their own imprint on what was was happening. It was also sort of fueled by the pandemic. I think too that was a it's kind of the the perfect storm. And, you know, other people have tried to replicate what they've done. And honestly, I don't, I don't know how big the Board Ape community is really outside of sort of those initial crypto whales and OGs that kind of came in. You know, is it more than 100,000 people out in the world that are Board Ape people? And, you know, once they start, try to start doing like TV shows and movies, are, you know, are people going to rally around that? I find it hard to believe. So it's been super successful with a very finite population of people who did have a lot of money. But beyond that, is it going to be the next Disney? By no means, no, you know. But is that pitch, does that, I mean, that pitch certainly resonated for them. That Like, if you buy this NFT, you'll be part of this community that you can't be a part of if you don't own one. It's like your instant, I don't know, is it acceptance? Is it? Yeah. I mean, they pulled that off, though. I don't know that that's a, a recipe for success in the industry, certainly. No, I mean, how is that different than like a Soho house or a private members club, right? I mean, that's kind of what they yeah. sold. But it, it's sort of a little different from a collectible, isn't it? Yeah, it's the, I mean, the art, it's good, but it's not Monet. It's not, you know, Michelangelo. It's it's good, but it's there's nothing special. Yeah, it's definitely the community aspect. You know, access to, when I went to NFT NYC, you know, they had a bunch of concerts. So unless you had the NFT, you couldn't go. And yeah, I get it. Gary V did something similar with V Friends. You know, you can't go to VCon unless you have access to NFT. So you know, and I think that's a pretty successful model. It's something people understand. They, they get it. It's not a crazy concept to, you know, get your head around. I think, you know, some of these roadmaps that promise play to earn gaming is completely ridiculous because if anybody knew how, how expensive it really is to develop a video game, they'd realize, well, these guys are never going to be able to deliver this. And why would you? Because the cost to develop it, you essentially have a little bit of dead weight because you have this obligation that someone else going to that same space wouldn't have. So you kind of have a, a little bit of a disadvantage. I've definitely seen like the opportunities, you know, when I talk to brands, they really struggle with a few things. Obviously, the intellectual property issues, they don't, they don't understand quite how that affects their IP. And a lot of lawyers are still trying to figure this all out themselves. They don't even have the answers. You know, there's only a select few that really understand it. 
then the other thing brands struggle with as well is internally, how do they build out a team in their organization to handle this? It's new territory. What do you hire? A creative director? What kind of tech and dev resource do you need to spec? What is a community manager? That's the other thing. People don't even understand what that is. You know, this whole thing in Discord, the way, you know, Discord's the way community is built right now. And I do not think Discord's a very scalable solution for, for most big brands. I don't think most of them want to subject their community to, you know, potential security issues and just the way the messages are filtered. It's, it's a heavy lift. You have to hire community managers, moderators. These are positions you've never even heard of before. And they're, they're brand new positions. And who are these community managers and moderators? I mean, a lot of them are probably like former DJs and skateboarders. And now they're the, you know, you know, they're controlling your brand message. That's a very scary thing for a brand like Disney that has, you know, what, a hundred years of brand equity built up or Nike that has 40 plus years of brand equity. It's, it's just, it's not a solution that they're going to, you know, sign off on. So, you know, that, that just presents opportunities though, right? Who's going to be out there and build a better solution for these brands as we start to scale. Do you think COVID was a major factor in driving people into virtual communities like NFT communities? Yeah, because we're inherently social beings as humans. So it was just a way for us to, we like to gather and interact. So yeah, I, I definitely do. You think the fact that we lost some outlets for that sort of energy drove us to others? 100%. That could probably explain part of the dip that's happened in the market as well, right? Because now things are opening back up. Everything else is recovering? Yeah. I mean... Some parts of the country, I was just in Austin. I mean, maybe even before, maybe even during the pandemic, you didn't realize what was going on there. But I mean, now, I mean, it's just like nobody has a mask on anymore. And you just really, there's not that, that fear anymore. How important is the quality of the art? I've seen a lot of NFTs that I think they look nice, but they're procedurally generated. It's like a recipe for generating art that looks nice. And there are some that like you really look at them and you think that's a great work of art. Is that is that important? Does it even matter? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I it all kind of, to me, it all looks sort of the same. There's not really much of a differentiator. And it's, it's there's an NFT style and an NFT is an NFT almost. Yeah, I don't, there's some interesting stuff, but I don't, not, most collections have not grabbed me as a, as a consumer and been like, wow, I need to own that, right? It's, it's a bunch of, uh, I'm not saying these people aren't talented, some of them, but it's not, um, it's not compelling. It's not something I want to stare at for you know, the rest of my life on my wall. How do you feel about fine art, though? Do you feel more or less the same way? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can be honest. I won't tell no, you. No, no, you know, I mean, I'll go first. I feel the, you same, feel the same way. way. Like, I okay. look at great works right. of art, and I'm like, oh, that looks nice. Yeah, it looks nice, you know. I, but again, you know, it's it's when it's like one of the ten thousand. I mean, how how special is that that one of ten thousand going to be, right? I mean, it's they're all iterations, sort of, of each other. So a one on one, I feel like, has some compelling value to it. So that's why, you know, some of the art that's been uh, art or photography could be, you know, a little more interesting. The Twin Flames by Justin Aversano, some super interesting pieces there. They're all one of ones, obviously, I guess. You know, the doodles is funny in Southwest, Southwest. Everybody's going crazy for the doodles. I was like, I mean, I talked to a lot of my friends that are really big collectors and they're just like, we didn't even buy those. So it's just funny how that thing caught, caught steam. It's just so interesting because it's, I guess it, it, it's almost a derivative of the board apes in terms of the community, the same kind of thing, you know, but the art wasn't that compelling. And I was just trying to figure out why it was so popular, but I mean, it's okay. It's fine. I get it. It's, it's, it's not terrible to look at, but again, I think they've built um, sort of a derivative community of board apes in terms of just fans that are just passionate about being part of that community. I think again, it's just human 
bonding at its you know finest. Well, I think also if the value comes from supply and demand, there's a natural tendency and an incentive to try to figure out where the crowd is going and get there ahead of them. And the net result is that everybody winds up in more or less the same place. Yep, yep, yep. Agreed, agreed. I want the thing that everybody else wants because its value comes from the fact that people want it. Very true, very true. It's super interesting. But I mean, the reality is like, you know, you walk down the street and you ask 100 people if they know what doodles is, I'm pretty sure... Good chance 99, maybe all 100 will not know what doodles is. So, well, I remember when the same was true of Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, that's funny. That's been the story of my life is watching things that only I know about become things that are in, like, you know, the common culture. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do think if Disney does acquire Dapper, then I think mainstream adoption is going to start happening really quick. Cause I mean, there's not a bigger content producing machine in the world than Disney. And, Everybody that has a child, more than likely, they're gonna they're gonna raise their kids on some of the you know Disney's content library. So it's sort of ingrained culturally everybody's families. Until that happens, is this the community driven space? And would that make it no longer one? You know, it's interesting. I think these communities are just. I think they're gonna take different shapes and forms, right? You know, right now, you, know, you have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. I mean, that's where kind of communities gather, and they're very big, massive scale type places where we all kind of gather, I think it'll get more bifurcated. I think the NFTs will allow it to be more specific. You know, maybe it's like people that love to go to CrossFits on Saturday morning only, right? I mean, I don't know, you know, it could get that like sliced and diced, but I think maybe it's going to create opportunities for more bifurcated, more specific communities to gather as opposed to these big general platforms. What do you think about NFTs that interact with smart contracts or that unlock things on blockchains? I think it's it's interesting. I mean, I've always looked at NFTs as like mini computers and it's, it's however you want to program it to engage your your community. I think it's, it's super interesting. So, yeah, I mean, if that makes sense for your brand and the community you're trying to engage, then great. What about the user experience? Is that the most important thing is that important i know i've seen with some nft projects it's all about decentralization it's all about the chain they're on and with others nobody cares right like with nba top shots nobody cared how it was implemented they just wanted the thing they wanted the user experience in there right it was all about how easy it was to buy them and look at them right does it depend on the project is there a balance yeah i think it depends on the project yeah i mean i think you're gonna always have the the really hardcore ETH maxis and they're, they're gonna be very judgmental no they'll, they'll probably stick together i don't know if that community is gonna ever really change much i think it's a very specific mindset but in my day-to-day role it's a, it's obviously mass consumer adoption so i'm always thinking about the brands and how they're going to sort of jump into the space so i think honestly the name nft too i don't know at some point maybe that may need a full rebrand it is a terrible it's telling you what it isn't, which is like one of the worst things you could do when you want to sell someone on something. Yeah. I know now on NBA Top Shots, you see the name, they have NFT all over their site, uh, Dabber. But they believe when they first launched, they didn't even have NFT. I think it was just like collect a moment in time or something like that. It, it would be like calling a car a non defecating horse. It's just not a good way to you know, promote it to people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the projects you're seeing? Are they collectibles? Are they about creators monetizing? Are they, are they different from that? Are they something beyond what everybody's used to seeing in NFTs? I've been talking to a major global luxury automaker and they're super interesting in the space. And obviously the conversation started with the collectible portion and using some of their auto memorabilia and starting as a good inflection point to, to get into the space. But they were interested in even applications beyond that. So like supply chain, using the NFT for car service records, using the NFT for financing. 
super interesting use cases beyond just the collectible. Those are the conversations that excite me because it's I'm really interested to see how NFTs can affect change across society. So healthcare records, for instance, I think that's something that, you know, I've, I've had a few conversations with people that are exploring that as well. Because, I mean, right now, if you live in Los Angeles and then move to New York all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden you move to Miami, all of a sudden, you you know, you maybe in the, in the course of that year or two of moving around, you have like medical records for three different doctors. If it was all attached to an NFT, it would be seamless, right? I mean, in the world today, you still have to call the doctor back in Los Angeles and you have to call your doctor in New York. And then, you know, who even knows how long that takes? That could take days, it could take weeks, there's calls and faxing they still use faxes i mean it's all this like crazy antiquated nonsense so i mean that's just one use case where nfts could completely revolutionize an industry and it's better and also you having that information in real time too you can make a decision who knows what what, what even state that patient's in or why they need access to those records right so i mean it's just information in real time i think is one of those things that nfts is going to allow us to do i mean even real estate titles. I mean, what, what an antiquated process that is too. And it's expensive, right? There's just like a lot of things that are super interesting to me on the, on the brand level and they're trying to figure it out. But I think collectible stuff, just the cute little cartoon apes and other little animals and all that, it's, I think that's winding down. And most of the people I, I talk to on, you know, on a regular basis in the space that I respect, they're in full agreement on that as well. I know it seems like we've got like collectibles on one side and then we've got these moonshot projects on the other side that seem like pretty grandiose and far away. Is there, is there a middle? Are there projects that are underway that are more complex and, and, and interesting than collectibles? I mentioned this earlier that, you know, the whole Gary V Free Friends model. I'm seeing a lot of that. A lot of people are kind of trying to figure out that kind of membership model for their content. So whether that's stand-up comic or a restaurant or different brands that I talk to, trying to figure out how to perhaps create an elevated private membership type experience for their brands or their IP. So that's something that I've seen a lot of, you know, former athletes trying to create, you know, like a top secret, you know, private members club where you can hang out, you know. It seems like a good fit for online experiences. I think that seems like a very natural fit. Yeah, I think it does. I, I think that's where we're at because the metaverse is not even close to being even built out. I mean, it's, we're, we're so far away. There's just, we can't even agree on what it is. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, that, I, I talk to people about, I mean, we're not even at Web3. I mean, that's the other thing we need to start saying. I mean, we're probably like Web 2.1 because <laughs> Web3, I, I think Web3 is very aspirational and I don't, I don't think it's we're even close to that. So what do you hear that you say no to? Are there people who come to you and say, I want to use NFTs to do something and you're like, no, don't do that. <laughs> is there anything that's just that you're seeing excitement about this just a terrible fit? I mean, my LinkedIn is just bombarded with everybody pitching me their projects all the time. It's fortunate my... My LinkedIn inbox used to be really nice and clean and used to be typically just about like people wanting to engage and connect. And now it's just people just shilling projects 24-7. Is it people who want to build or people who want to get rich without building? It's mostly 95% of my inbox is people that just want to get rich quick. We're still in that phase, right? Where everybody's like, oh, NFTs are a license to print money. I mean, almost many technologies go through phases where people just think that there's just some it's an infinite well of money for minimal effort. And you've got to try to find the people who want to build something useful and valuable. You're starting to see the smart money and smart minds in this space. So I think, I think things will get cleaned up. You know, it's a lot of those, a lot of people from web two, those people that work at companies like Amazon or Google or meta, they're starting to reach out and just, they want, they want to learn more about the space and they're really interested in jumping in. And once you start to get more of those people that were super successful 
in Web 2 and they start to enter the space, I think you're just going to see things cleaned up because they just think a certain way. They, they bring a sense of professionalism to the space. I think, I think that's a good thing because uh, I think smarter solutions are needed and just more professionalism because that, that's what it's going to need because we're still in design, build, and execution phase. It's, that's really what we need to be focused on and it's not very sexy and it's very boring, but that's kind of where we need to be you know we need to kind of shift some of this focus from all the kind of flashy more sexy projects and focus more on building like tools and and just you know infrastructure what about technological obstacles in the technology i mean there are some blockchains that are expensive there are some that are slow there's scalability limits are you seeing projects that are running into those technological obstacles no in my world it's just finding enough tech and development people to actually build build stuff out it's just that's the biggest hurdle it's human yeah it's, it's really just yeah it's human capital super hard to attract and retain top talent it is and it's that and i think it's education i think education's a huge gap right now i just i don't it's not the right tool there's you know people are always trying to figure it out and ask me what and i, I give them a list of you know you know start with the a16z canon start there there's a bunch of links and videos but Again, it's just it depends what rabbit hole people go into when they go on there because it's just a bunch of random links to a bunch of stuff. So who even knows how they decide to disseminate that information? But there's not really a streamlined way to learn. I know, I know, like MIT and a few other schools. I think Columbia they have some like online class you can take, and I know some of the companies are sending their executives there to, to learn. But you know, I, I don't know. It's it's still very nascent. So I think I think there's got to be a, a better way. To start kind of onboarding and educating but i guess you know whatever what is this probably the second full year of this whole industry i think by the time you built something like that it'd be obsolete and your first project would be updating it and it would be it would be a perpetual yeah labor and i mean who even knows i don't even know if the winning blockchain has even been created yet or maybe it has and that company's going to acquire a bunch of other ones and morph into something else who even who even knows where we're at right so i mean look at look at flow i mean Disney acquires them. I mean, all of a sudden, that, that whole thing is going to take on a completely different shape in a, in a matter of, of months. So. Has what you've been doing been affected much by crypto tribalism? People who talk about like the, the environmental impact and people who are proprietary about particular blockchains and advocate against others. Has that been an issue or not so much? It was. It was, it was early on. It's funny. That, that was like the big hurdle mid last year. And then, I don't know. It seems like companies have sort of kind of moved on beyond that. So that wasn't that was probably the biggest primary hurdle for a while was the environmental impact. It still is an issue, but uh, I think now it's more like the IP, how to build out their organizational internally. What what is that first collection we're going to do? I think everybody's always scared to to do something that's going to fail and ruin their brand. So yeah, that's that seems to be the kind of the, the big concerns in my world, but. Yeah, environmental is obviously still at the top of the list, but I don't think it's number one necessarily. I'm going to give you the NFT pitch I give everyone in the space, and I want you to tell me if I'm crazy or if you think I'm on okay. something. So we all have bundles of digital rights. Yep. Like I subscribe to Hulu, and I subscribe to Amazon Prime and Kindle, and all of these services in which I buy movies or I buy other product, other digital rights, games. And I have those digital rights scattered all over the place. I can't manage them from any central place. Like if I leave Hulu, I lose all the digital rights I bought on Hulu. If I leave Amazon Prime, I lose all the digital rights I built on I bought on Amazon Prime. That sucks for everybody except Hulu and Amazon Prime. Obviously, they love the fact that if I stop paying them $70 a month, I lose all the movies I bought. Could NFTs be 
that universal digital rights signifier that could be taken from platform to platform to provide me a single wallet that could hold all of my digital rights. Wow. I like that. I, I, or am I crazy? I don't think you're crazy at all. I think that that's actually, that, that's actually like an amazing, well, it's an amazing user experience for sure, right? It could be, obviously, if you get it right. I mean, think about how awesome it would be if I said, you know what, I don't like Hulu anymore because they don't work well on my TV. This other service works better and I could freely switch to the one. You know, it's the same thing like an internet service provider never says we have all the websites you want because they all have the same websites, right? They say, we're going to provide you the best service. We have the best speeds in your area. We have low costs, right? They have to, they have to promise me what I want. They can't, their reach is all the same. This could sort of equalize the reach of those services so they would have to compete on cost and, and, and features. I love it. I love it. Uh, I think it, it makes a ton of sense, actually. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny because if you look at streaming now, a lot of times people just go on a streaming service for their favorite show and they leave the ecosystem, right? So I think the, the NFT can create some type of stickiness where you can keep that, that consumer more ingrained in your ecosystem if, if, you do, if you design the NFTs correctly. So can I put NFT Genius down for $2 million? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you to take a peek into your crystal ball. So, what do you think NFT use cases are going to look like over the next couple of years? And you can pick the time frame that you think is the most interesting. Great question. I think, like I mentioned before, I think the next phase is going to be these kind of NFT membership models. I think you're going to start to see some traction in music as well beyond just collectibles. So, hopefully using NFTs to perhaps maybe you use for like beats or stems of music or kind of unique music that's only created for that actual NFT holder. I mean, we talk about concerts and stuff in the metaverse. I'm not, I'm not really sure we're even ready for that in music. I think entertainment companies are going to try to figure out how to tell stories in a different way through NFTs. That's something I think is going to be really interesting. I think Hollywood I, I, at South by Southwest, I think the seed was planted. And obviously South by Southwest is somewhere where people in the industry come for that kind of next big thing. I overheard a lot of conversations the entire week there of people talking about NFTs. It's definitely the seeds have been planted. Ideas are percolating. I really think that Hollywood right after music is really going to start to make a big pushover um, into the NFT space over the next nine to 12 months. I think that's, you're going to start to see a lot more announcements uh, about just unique and different ways of telling stories through NFTs. You think we can preserve that beautiful dynamic of people who aren't A-listers being able to monetize their creations when we have these, you know, 800 pound gorillas like Disney talking in Hollywood, like talking about moving into the space? Or will it be another one that's taken over by the A-listers? The reality is that's probably what's going to happen. It already is happening. I mean, YouTube was supposed to fix that problem. The internet was supposed to fix that problem. And what always happens is when the technology is new, it looks like the little guy has a chance. And then over time, the big guys move to the new technology. I don't I mean, I don't want to be defeatist, but I don't know. It feels a little depressing. Yeah. I mean, look, Nike already bought Artifact. If Disney does buy Dapper, I mean, it's it's going to stage a momentum shift. We'll get into specifics, but you know, one of the music labels, they're not actually that interested in even looping their IP into the NFT space right now. They're just looking to invest in different companies and they're trying to figure out what's going to win and then they're going to move their IP into a, a company they're already invested in, right? Mm -hmm. So they're already protecting themselves. I know Spotify is starting to look at hiring some people in the space, but I mean, Spotify will probably just buy somebody. They got to protect their, their, their customer base and their revenue. So it's you're right. I mean, unfortunately, it's probably going to be just 
big brands and, and you know big money getting in the space and just protecting their interests. What do you think about the importance of decentralization? I know a lot of projects have pitched the fact that the underlying technologies like the blockchains they live on are decentralized, they're censorship resistant, they don't have central counterparties, but then you see like if an NFT is blacklisted on OpenSea, it's sort of like in a different category than one that's not. And OpenSea, of course, controls their own blacklist. Does that matter? Is decentralization a key part of the value proposition? Is it different projects? Is this, is this a big issue or a tempest in a teapot or what do you think? I don't think it's a, a big issue to most people, to be honest. So, I mean, they're just not going to steal NFTs, and so they're not going. They don't want to buy stolen NFTs, and so it doesn't matter to them that, that OpenSea, for example, just take an example. I could blacklist it. Like the decentralization isn't a critical value proposition to them. I don't think to most people now. I think, I mean, humans, we love to collect stuff, and decentralization. I, I think most consumers actually would rather have a governing central authority to protect them if something went wrong. If you, your NFT was stolen or there was an issue, I think they want that 1-800 number or that customer service uh, yep. number to call. I really do hope that some of these independent creators and other individuals that this is supposed to help will find opportunities, but hard to say. I, I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people that are definitely in the music space that are trying to help a lot of these independent musicians. It's definitely an area I'm also passionate about. I'm not a musician, but I, I do love independent music and I would love for a better model to be created. And who knows, maybe it just even bumps up their position in terms of revenues, even 20%. If even that happens, then I, I think it's a win, right? But I don't think it's going to be this great panacea where people's lives are going to change overnight. But I mean, I guess the original vision was like, hey, why just mint a few billionaires, which is kind of the way the model works now. And let's create a bunch of millionaires. But I don't know if that's going to happen. When people like Disney and Nike and other big brands get in space, they're, they're definitely not looking to create that vision for anybody. No, no, the, the new gate, either the old gatekeepers move in or new gatekeepers emerge. I think it's helpful, though, to understand that pattern. We watched that happen to the Internet. Like I was super excited by the early days of the Internet because I said, oh, the old gatekeepers of information are going to go away. Like I don't have to get the New York Times to publish my comments to get them circulated. And I think what we've seen is new gatekeepers have emerged. I think. Maybe we didn't know that that was going to happen. We weren't aware. Like we just assumed that the technology would inherently sort of divert, sort of spread the wealth. And it did for a while. And we got lulled into a false sense of security. I hope that with NFTs, maybe if, if for people who don't want that outcome, that, that they're aware. But I, I don't know what we can do to prevent it. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. It's still early. But the fact that the big companies are already moving in space with major acquisitions, it's a telltale sign of where things are headed, I think. Well, I hope that at least through awareness, maybe we can, understanding that that's an issue, that when the technologies are not guaranteed to produce the outcomes that we hope that they will produce, we have to be vigilant to ensure that they do, otherwise they won't. And that, you know, that's where we are with a lot of technologies now. Yeah, yeah. So we're just about out of time. Do you have a story you want to share or a question I didn't ask you or uh, I'll give you the opportunity to maybe find something interesting I missed? Again, you know, I've just, um, I was in Austin for South by Southwest and that's where we're going to be hosting our big NFT Thought Leaders Conference in October. And the goal there is really to create an NFT Web3 conference like has not been done before. Because I don't know if you've been to any of these NFT conferences, but I've probably been to four or five of them already in real life. And they're great. I, I speak at quite a few of them. But I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of tired of seeing the same hundred people speak over and over again. And nothing against Gary Vee and Mark Cuban or even myself, but... I think there's a real opportunity to do something different in terms of just 
content lineup and also have a conference that really shows what the power of NFT could be. So like for our conference, we're really going to be focused on female and diversity inclusion. So a lot of the speakers and panels will be focused on that, but also just the content lineup as well will be focused also on, on the creators that NFTs are supposed to, to help. So we're going to have a lineup of stand-up comics and independent musicians and, and different artists uh, there that, you know, NFTs are supposed to to really help like level the playing field for. So that's something I'm really excited about. And we're going to also have the tickets to conference will be NFTs. And the big vision for it is that the content that is created during this conference will actually create future utility for the people that own the NFT. So they'll trying to produce a bunch of content inside that conference that'll actually give those those holders this unique access to content that nobody else will. And hopefully that'll create future value for all for those NFT holders and uh, also all the different artists that are participating in in the conference. So that's my focus. I'm really focused on building community. I think it's something that's very easy for everybody to understand where I've met probably probably 90% of my friends now are people that I met in the last year through the NFT and LinkedIn world. It's crazy that this stage of my adult life that I'm meeting all these new friends. That to me is the exciting part. There's just this really collaborative, fun, entrepreneurial spirit that exists right now. So anybody, no matter where you came from, I'm proof. I, I was not even in tech or you know crypto space a year ago. And now I'm kind of considered one of the top thought leaders. It's a great opportunity for anybody that's kind of looking to maybe reset or kind of turn their, their life and career upside down. So it's like jumping now, there's still a ton of opportunity, a lot of building to be done, a lot of great problems to figure out. And it's just it's so much fun. So I, I would encourage anybody that's looking to maybe shake things up a little bit or, you know, turn a new page in life to, to look at the space because we're here and it's, it's a very welcome community. Really, it's uh, met some of the most amazing people over the last year. And this is only year one. I don't even know where... I'll be 10 years with all the different friendships and, and collaborations I've embarked on. So, Well, I'll meet up at your conference. Yeah, you're, you're 100% invited. You'll you'd definitely love to have you uh, participate, speak, whatever you want to do. You're, you're more than welcome. So, Thank you, John, for joining me today. It was a pleasure hosting you on Ripple's podcast, Blockstars. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions for us, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Joel Katz, J-O-E-L-K-A-T-Z, or to John at John Kraski, J-O-H-N-K-R-A-S-K-I. And remember to follow Ripple Twitter, keep up with the latest industry news. See you around the blockchain. Yes.